So we got an announcement to make. For the first time in a very long time, there will be a techish live show. Live show, live show. In the house. It will be in London. If you're listening in the States, one day we will be in the US. But for now, this one's in London, October 25th. Yes. The links to get your tickets will be in the show notes. They probably will go fast, so grab them while you can. Yes. And it will be techish, but in person. We may have some special guests. Special guests. Watch this space. Yeah, it's your chance to mingle and jam with other listeners the community and of course yours truly yep 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 link in the show notes go get that ai is eating the web as we speak and what that means for business leaders is this the time to embrace ai technology is now because for people like us automation helps us do more with less while continuing to meet and exceed business expectations it's basically magic if you haven't tried hubspot's new ai features you should do that content assist and chatspot are two brand new tools that will immediately save you and your team a whole bunch of time hubspot's features run on ChatGPT tech to help you make compelling content and manage your crm way faster than before we're talking ad copy data analytics, workflow automations. So work smarter, not harder, and head to hubspot.com forward slash artificial dash intelligence to learn more about using AI to streamline your marketing, sales, and customer service ops. Link in the show notes. Do you think a CEO can be called a chief happiness officer? Do you actually think that's no, helpful for the function of chief? Ex- yeah, I was like... Because are you happy when you're firing people? That's what I mean. that's part of your job, bro. <laughs> exactly. If I'm happy all the time as a CEO, then I'm doing it wrong. Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new techish podcast. It's one half of your hosting duo, Abadesi of Hustle Crew, here, joined with Michael Bain of Pocket POCIT. Go to the job board to get some jobs. Who's coming to the live show? Who's, Who's coming, coming to the, to the live, live show? show? Listen, if you're not coming, you're going to regret it. That's what I'm saying. If you're in London and you ain't booked your tickets right now, I want you to go to the show notes, yeah. click on that link, yes. and get that. Yes, we are not above plugging our ish. Oh, of course Come not. to the show. It's going to be fun. Special guests. It's going to be a um, You're going to get a chance to mingle, network with us, the yeah. community. Last time, people actually probably enjoyed networking amongst themselves yeah. more than they did with us. Because... I don't know if they enjoyed it more than me, uh, but maybe okay, more than you. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's so rare to get that many people in the room who are kind of from our kind of background, oh, yeah. into the sort of things that we're into. And it was like, right, oh, okay, it's my tri- it was a t- good, tribe. Good crew. All right, cool. Let's get it started. Where you want to go first story wise i just want to talk a little bit about lazy girl jobs mm, what does that so mean? lazy girl job is something that came about um after a tiktok influencer basically like raised the fact that she as a gen z 20 something just isn't about slaving away for the man right yes. it's a commentary on late stage capitalism you could say but the idea is to basically get a relatively well-paid non-technical you know what white collar job right okay um maybe it's going to pay you 60 70 80 thousand us dollars you got a college degree in something yeah. you're in a corporate but you do the bare min right so one of the articles i was reading about this someone who's inspired by lazy girl job says that she counts the time that she commutes into the office and back as part of her working day wow wow we well so she's was... supposed to work a nine to five she yeah. gets in at 10 she leaves at four and she's like that's that's my lazy girl job. And I'm just curious, this attitude to work, do you think that it was something that you could have got away with when you first started out in the career world? Because when I was reading these things, I was like, my first job in tech was in a startup group right. on a year before the yes, IPO. Yes, yes. If I was telling my boss at the time, who I'm still good friends with now, yo, I'm going to use the first hour of my day to make yeah. my way in and the last hour to leave, he'd be like, 
you're going to find another job. Wow. But <laughs> before I answer your question, I want to ask you, why is it lazy girl job? I don't understand. Like, what, what, what is that like? Very what, good question. Obviously, it's, it's, it's emanating from a woman influencer who's saying that. So it's mm. not like some man is saying, oh, you lot are lazy girls. But it's like yeah. they're self-describing themselves as like, this is what I want. <laughs> so like, what's the angle here? Is it basically just wanting to have a good life without having to... I don't know. I think there's layers to it, right? Because so I was talking to my friends about this last night. Uh, We were at dinner and I said that here in the UK, you can get anything debated in parliament if 100,000 people sign a petition. Okay. So I was saying, I want to start a petition where I get 100,000 women to say that on the day in the year, which I'm pretty sure is soon fast approaching, where we officially start working for free because of the gender pay gap. Right. So there's like a point, it's usually in the autumn where from that point onwards, like basically because of the gender pay gap, women are effectively working for free whilst men continue to get paid. I was like, women should just stop working on that day. Okay. Yeah. And see, see what happens with society or I stop paying income tax that day. I'm going to keep working. (laughs) You'd be in jail that day. But you stop taxing me. Uh, Anyway, so it's interesting, isn't it? Because we always have within patriarchy this idea that women are doing additional work, additional labor, or the same as men for less. Right. Um, So I kind of like how these younger generations are just like taking their own little spin on that and just being like, you know what? I'm doing enough. I'm doing enough for the world. Um, But also, I don't want to be exploited the way previous generations were because let's face it women you know have been showing up the same as men and not getting the same back you think actually that covid and the fact that gen z probably started their working career during that kind of whole especially in tech during that whole kind of remote work thing or remote work became the norm that it's kind of inculcated the idea that yeah why not why can't i have that life why can't i have that why can't i work from my duty not saying that people ain't working hard (laughs) but like yeah you can relax a lot more in terms of let me take a little nap let me just you know what I'm saying? Let me just put my, my Slack on active and just somehow <laughs> pretend that I'm there. Netflix and like, yeah, here, Netflix Slack here. there. Yeah, basically, right. So do you think that is a part of it, that the working culture has changed for, 100%. For, for good, basically? And there's a, there's a cohort that, like, we ain't trying to go back to, to how things once were. I don't think there's any, like, official transition stage anymore. Like, right. I remember getting my first corporate job. I was an editorial intern at the Financial Times. So I was like, right, time to change out of these skinny jeans and hoodies or whatever was the fashion and, like, buy some more formal stuff and, like, mm. show up at the office. And I feel that there was, like, an official transition from university student to graduate. In the articles that I've been reading, a lot of people finished their last year of university in lockdown then got a job that was remote work. They didn't really have any official transition period. So it's like you went from what? Like showing up to lectures on your laptop at home, starting your job on your laptop at home. So I do think like that is definitely part of it. Yeah. Okay, you know what? So I want to ask you something, actually. So this was a story that I think I wanted to talk about later, but it really relates. So there was an Australian CEO. I think he works in real estate, but he's, yeah. a, he's a billionaire, basically. And he was the first CEO. He was the CEO that originated the whole uh, millennials can't buy houses because they're buying avocado on toast. And so this, was, this was him. This yeah. was the guy. Wow. So he was at a conference. On yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> a, he's, he's on a roll because basically he was at a conference, I believe it was, yeah. and he's on stage and they asked him about kind of like employment, unemployment. And he essentially said that we need more pay in the economy because there's now been he believes a switch where now employees believe Mm. that the employers are doing them a favor by hiring them and he's like we need more pain in the economy uh unemployment needs to go up by like 40 50 percent basically what people decided they didn't really want to work so much anymore through covid and that has had a massive issue on productivity you know tradies have definitely pulled back on productivity you know they they have been paid paid a lot 
to do not too much in the last few years. And we need to see that change. We need to see unemployment rise. Unemployment has to jump 40 50% in my view. We need to see pain in the economy. We need to remind people that they work for the employer, not the other way around. I mean, there is a, there's been a systematic change where employees feel the employer is extremely lucky to have them um, as opposed to the other way around. So it's a dynamic that has to change. We've got to kill that attitude and that has to come through hurting the economy which is so not 40 50 percent unemployment but like for whatever okay, the baseline right. is a 40 yeah, 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 yeah. even i had to think about that i was like damn bro it's gonna be right to the street yeah. crazy. <laughs> but he basically wants it to like go up by another percentage point or a few Ooh. percentage points so that basically workers get put in their place and that you know there's more productivity and Possible. effort has he said the quiet part out loud because quiet part out loud because i do think a lot of this talk about increasing interest rates on the surface it is about quelling inflation but i do think it's also about swinging the balance of power back into the hands mm. of the boss, basically. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I think a lot of people who are rich and make money from like share prices of stocks and like all these sorts of things are frustrated by the fact that workers aren't just getting back into the office and yeah. being more productive. But I don't think it's like fair to put all the blame on workers. Like the reason why we're at the stage where we are is because we have broken systems. Like mm. we just have a very fundamentally flawed version of capitalism where you can have extremely rich people and extremely poor people. So I think that's that that's the bigger issue. Like at, at the end of the day, it's kind of like putting a Band-Aid on like something that's eventually going to break and mm -hmm. crack and i feel that that's sort of like where we're at now with late stage capitalism people are trying to do the things that worked before like if we just get workers back in the office if we just put the power back on the boss's hands everything's going to be fine but i genuinely believe we're past that point yeah you know what it reminds me of that scene in the big short where brad pitt mm. is um chastising the two young guys who are celebrating that they've bet against the market and he's like listen if we're right that means there's going to be unemployment. People are going to lose home. And for every percentage point, unemployment goes up and X amount of people die. Mm. There's a correlation there that's kind of, I think, been proved out. Yeah. So the fact that somebody who's as rich and probably understands that is that callous is, is a bit wild. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. you have any idea what you just did? Come on, we just made the deal of our lifetimes. We should celebrate. You just bet against the American economy. Fuck yeah, we did. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Which means... Oh! Which means, if we're right, if we're right, people lose homes, people lose jobs, people lose retirement savings, people lose pensions. You know what I hate about fucking banking? It reduces people to numbers. Here's a number. Every 1% unemployment goes up, 40,000 people die. Did you know that? No. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. But how do people end up rich? Absolutely. Because they're callous. callous. Like, you don't see, like, friendly, smiley billionaires out there just, like, hanging no out. I don't know what my way up there. So, yeah, <laughs> me. If you see me smiling, you see me remind frowning. me. Remind me that. Yo, this ain't how you're going to get to the top. Speaking of CEOs, what is your stance as a CEO on job titles of CEOs? So, do explain. 
I'm going to have to pull up the clip. Sorry, I need to find the actual um, thing. Um, so while you wait, I think I'm going to guess. It's basically go. that CEOs want to... There's a trend of CEOs wanting to give themselves like funny titles. Instead of just saying, I'm chief executive yes. officer, it's like, I'm chief doer or like exactly. I think Elon is like chief engineer techno king of Tesla so this has come up because Elon Musk was the techno king of Tesla is that what he, I'll just leave he that to himself. one side yeah um, someone else referred to himself he was a chief financial officer but he decided to be called the master of coin other <laughs> people um, call themselves chief happiness officer instead yes. of CEO that okay. one is one step too far I'm sorry I just can't deal with that one another person decided to call himself instead of Chief Executive Officer, Chief Wizard. So what are you coming up with? For my company, yeah, yeah, people Chief Batman. Tech. Chief Batman, now that's it. I think, it, but the thing is, I know it's a funny thing, but the reality is these are all made up titles. Completely. Chief C- CEO is also a made up title. Yeah. It basically means you're the person in charge, you call the shots. When it goes wrong, it's your fault. And yeah. when it goes right, it's your fault, basically, yeah. right? And the buck stops with you. Although we do live in a world where the CEO can be rewarded even when things go terribly wrong, yeah. basically. So maybe that's not completely accurate. But on the flip side, there is a level of immaturity that now, immaturity that now exists in the world where I think mm. none of us want to grow up. No. We, like, if you look at our generation compared mm. to, like, I don't know, people who are in their 30s or 20s, like 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Then people were grown ass people with 25 kids and they were, they, they, it was a different outlook. Now we kind of want to keep adolescents going for a lot longer. And I think we we mm. now have a, a collective of like 50 year olds, people like Elon and others yeah. who are like, let's keep it playful. I'm, I'm not really your <laughs> boss. I am the chief wizard. Like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. you're the boss. You pay the salaries. Yeah. You're in charge. Yeah. And like, just, just stop it. Do you think a CEO can be called a chief happiness officer. Do you actually think that's no, helpful for the function of chief? Ex- yeah, I was like... Because are you happy when you're firing people? That's what I mean. Because that's part of your job, bro. <laughs> exactly. If I'm happy all the time as a CEO, then I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. Because I might have to fire you. Yeah. I might have to chastise, not chastise you, but I might have to kind of tell you that you're not performing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, I might have to do layoffs. I might have to sell the business when I don't want to sell mm. the business because it's not going to work out. Yeah. What's happy about that? To me, that's toxic positivity. Yeah, that like, is. Like, if you're coming out like, yo, I'm your chief <laughs> happiness officer. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, like, I'm happiest when I don't show up to work on time yes. and leave early. So make, do about that. make me happy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hey everyone, you know what time it is. Time for us to pick up another podcast on the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We've got another show under 30 minutes. You know how much I love those. And it's I Digress, which helps to eliminate complexity, complications, and confusions in your business with framework strategies to achieve scalable and sustainable success. Hosted by Troy Sandage. This podcast will give you the blueprint to grow and scale your business much faster. The I Digress podcast lets you learn marketing frameworks, sales tactics, business insights, mindset shifts, and proven methodologies hosted by Troy Sandage, aka The Strategy Hacker, who's used these skill sets to launch over 35 plus brands and generate over $175 million, that's million dollars in revenue for clients worldwide. Go check it out. I Digress is also a Webby nominated podcast. Go support that brother. He's doing his thing. I Digress. So I think we've got to do like this week in black business um, or this month in black business. Yep. I wanted to ask you about Oja. Yes. So Oja was a startup that was a delivery startup, a grocery delivery startup that mm. was targeted at uh, African and Caribbean foods. Yes. So a lot of those foods you have to source from like a market. They're yeah. not really readily available in the major supermarkets. So the founder, is it Miriam? Miriam Jimo. She basically yeah. came up with this idea, raised a bunch of money, I think even $2 million or $2 wow. million, pounds, which is very impressive yeah. from a UK. To get that as a UK founder, one is impressive. To get that for an idea that is would be wrongly described as niche mm. is also super duper impressive. Yeah. Um, but they now just shut down. Yeah. And... Um, 
it's caused a bit of controversy. So from yeah. what I saw, there was rumors or allegations that employees weren't being paid mm. towards the end. And mm. I think a Slack message leaked where somebody was saying like, yo, when do we get paid? And yeah. the, I think the, ha- the head of HR was the founder's mum. And she was like, yeah, go talk to my mum. Like, I can't really deal with this right wow, now. <laughs> yeah. okay. um, which is not great. And I think suppliers were left unpaid. Mm. Um, again, though, it does feel like the takedown of the female founder, the takedown of the black I founder, mean, like that is that you see on social media quite a lot. And a lot of people who right. didn't know anything about tech were kind of, you know, chipping in and yeah. and don't really understand the nuances of that. But let's give them the benefit of the doubt. What's your initial thoughts? I th- you, you mentioned that you do know her off mic. I do know Miriam. Miriam is an incredible person. I mean, uh, it's a complex situation, right? right? I'm not saying I don't have empathy for people that paid. weren't paid yeah. or whatever. Um, of course, I have compassion for that. But your first question is, what do I think of the situation? And I think the percentage of female founders that get the total pot of funding every year is minuscule. It's Tiny. really, really, really Sub small. 1%, I think, right? Yeah. And then the percentage of black women that get funding from venture capitalists is even smaller. So it is a testament to the strength of her vision and her idea that she could take Oja as far as she could. Um, and the reality is, most startups fail and mm-hmm. most businesses fail in their first five years. I'm pretty sure I read recently, like the most, uh, the average age of like successful exited founders is like late forties. Makes sense to me. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we think of the Zuckerbergs or whatever, or we the think out, of like the Stripe yeah. brothers and the Collinson brothers at Stripe. And you just have these images of young people succeeding, but it's more anomalous and quite rare. Um, the thing that made me really upset about all of this, <laughs> I'm actually going to like pull an analogy to Notting Hill Carnival, mm, okay. which happened just a few weeks ago. <laughs> the first article I saw like the day after Bank Holiday Weekend about uh, the carnival in the Times, which admittedly is right leaning, was record number of stabbings or yeah, knives yeah, yeah. at Notting Hill Carnival. And that to me was such a contrast to what I was seeing on social media from my friends in the community who were the right there time. on the day. And I feel that Oja was like the same kind of thing because I could see all these stories coming up of, oh, she hasn't paid people, like suppliers haven't been paid, this, that, and the other. But in my WhatsApp groups, I was seeing messages from other female founders, other black female founders going, here we go again, where we're always under this additional level of scrutiny. We're under an additional level of scrutiny when we're fundraising. To your point, all of our ideas are niche. When I was pitching Hustle Crew to investors, it was always, who's going to buy that? That doesn't make any sense. People aren't going to admit that they're sexist or racist. Um, guess what? We actually have clients and we're profitable. Um, but yeah, I just think it's really frustrating that continuous double standard that we face. And Failure is inevitable. Very few people succeed with their first business. Elon Musk had, didn't get success with his first business ventures. Like, was PayPal the first thing he ever worked on? Like, I think he did have an exit before that. But oh, go on. So, yeah, but anyways, okay, but I think you're right. Aside from people like that, there are people. Most of us fail. Yeah, a few times. Before I think it works the question out. that I have is, what does this mean for the future mm-hmm. of that space? Because I think the problem she was trying to solve is a valid problem. Like I myself, when I want to find plantain. Got to go to ends to find plantain or got to go to this grocer or the other. The fact that you could get a quick grocery delivery to bring you whatever ingredients you need to cook traditional food, I think is incredible. But the way the industry works with pattern matching and all this and all that, they're probably now just jumping to the conclusion. Again, I say they, the members of the dominant groups, like, oh, well, we tried that. It didn't work. So we're never going to try that again. And I think that is what's scary. Okay, cool. And I'll, uh, just to add to that, that, I definitely know that a lot of startups in that grocery space just don't work. How no. many of these like little zero margin go business. puff and they all go out of business? Like yeah. it's a very difficult and tough business. But and also like 
if you're an inexperienced founder, a lot of the mistakes that I'm hearing did sound like the mistakes of an inexperienced Supply founder. Supply chain is Supply complex. chain, you can't pay them. I do think also, to me, I think when are you out of business is also the question to ask. Mm-hmm. And I think when you can't pay your staff, you're out of business. A hundred percent. So I don't think you're out of business in a sense. I don't think you should ask. I think you as the CEO or the founder should be willing to say, I'm not going to get myself paid. I'm not going to pay myself mm. until we can make this work. But I think the second that you're having problem paying staff, I think you've got to wrap it up. And I think that's what that's what's probably led to the backlash. And totally. I think, and I think um, that's probably an, an inexperienced founder. And I don't know her personally, so I'm not going to attest to her character. But it, obviously people who don't know her on social media they're giving that the most negative interpretation and saying like oh yeah. how, how dare you I basically I do want to say something in, in defense of that though like um, I remember Josephine the founder of Sojo so another black female founder who's also raised millions posted around the time that this came out that quote from um, Theodore Roosevelt oh the man in the arena quote yeah oh the God. man in the arena quote <laughs> it's getting rinsed out now man it is getting rinsed out because you know what people need to check themselves before they chime in on conversation yeah, like I'm it. just gonna say it because I'm in the arena and like let me tell you like it is hard to be an entrepreneur. And if you're underrepresented, you are facing additional challenges. I am not excusing it. Like if I act appallingly, call me out. Yeah. But at the same time, have some compassion for people that were brave enough to take a risk. And like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, yeah. I genuinely believe and hope that she'll go on to do another venture. The, the thing about that as well, there were so many falsehoods that anyone with common sense could realize. Because mm. people were saying, oh, she was paying herself 400000 a year. <laughs> No. She literally raised $2 million in total. The last of, I think, 600K was raised in the last like three or four months or mm. six months before he went out of business. Raheem yeah. Sterling invested yeah. a part also. Do you think investors can't read how much you're paying yourself? <laughs> if you've raised $2 million and you're yeah. paying yourself 400K, they're clearly going to see that your whole runway is three years of you just paying yourself. Well, that's not possible. But a yeah. lot of people were just running with narratives yeah. and basing, basing it on her social media, which is also another thing where maybe she might have been living yeah. a certain lifestyle, but you never know where that money's coming from. It could be from family. It could be from yeah. previous work or money saved up. So it's, there's a lot of people talking stuff they just don't necessarily know about. And also people don't understand how VC works. Like venture capitalists aren't stupid. It's not even Sometimes their money they're, they're investing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, what I, I guess what I should say is they're not stupid about their money. Yeah. So a lot of these term sheets come with very strict conditions. I know founders who can't even spend more than five figures without getting approval from their investors, mm. right, on the board. I know other founders who can't even change their salary without approval from the board. I know other inv- other founders who, you know, are barely even paying themselves a salary because of whatever conditions came through. And even a lot of that cash, you know, it gets tranched. Like you get a bit now, you get a yeah, bit later. So yeah, I think, let's face it, we're still living in a world with misogyny is rife. Misogynoir is rife as well. So we're waiting for an opportunity to hate someone. Like, all you have to do is go into like our comments to see that. People are always waiting to be annoyed with what I'm going to say. People are always waiting to be, uh, you know, reacting to yeah. something. And I just think we as a community need to just think of the net of the conversations we have. And like, what do we gain when we all just pile in on someone? So let me ask you, what are the tips that we would sum up for founders going through a situation like this where you're thinking maybe this ain't going to work? How yeah. do I wind this down? What do you do in a situation so that you avoid? Yeah. <laughs> the onslaught of cancellation <laughs> and also just not doing the right things. I think the first thing is to like have a really honest conversation with yourself about failure. And I think we all have to be prepared to fail if we're going into a super risky business. There are many times I nearly shut Hustle Crew because mm-hmm. I couldn't pay people or because I couldn't pay myself. And by the skin of my teeth, I was able to find money or get a loan or whatever. Right. And I just think it comes with such a great sense of responsibility that the failure is inevitable in some way and if if we're running away from failure we're going to put ourselves in situations where we start making bad decisions right so that would be like the first thing that i would say how about you 
Um, I think definitely uh, just tactically, obviously, just know your burn rate. Know yeah. your burn rate. Cash flow is king. Mm. You could have a very profitable business, but if your cash flow is poor, you can go out of business. Mm. And I actually found myself running my current company now that because I was very frugal in previous years and left left quite a large cash balance, we're okay now, even though things maybe month on month, it might not be mm. profitable, yeah. but in a year it will be. But if you're in a situation where you basically haven't got that cash flow coming in yeah. and you don't have a cash balance, yeah. just know there's a great chance you could go out of business. Have that mapped out yeah. ahead of time. Definitely. Please, like, don't. I know it's difficult to think. Yeah. Take your Sunday when you're not firefighting and making things happen mm. on Monday to Friday and be like, yo, let me look at the spreadsheet. Mm. How long left? And basically, what is it contingent on? So you might be like, oh, we've got this big deal coming in mm. or this big deal coming in. But what if that deal doesn't come in? Mm. What happens then? Yeah. Um, That's so, a really good point. Yeah. So this is about cash flow and managing, managing um, I think, cash. I think just inspired by this particular case, I would also say if you're entering a domain that's quite complex to operate in, and I would say fast moving consumer goods, all these kind of things where margins so are so narrow, so hard. supply chains are complex. You have B2B relationships on one side. You have B2C relationships on yeah. the other Find a co-founder who has operated in that space mm. for a significant amount of time because they're going to bring the network, they're going to bring the domain expertise, they're going to bring the process knowledge, all of those things. You know, in my case, I just started a business that served people like me and and reflected the experiences I'd already had. Mm. So I've been able to be successful. But if I was going to go into a whole new space, defense, something like that, right. I would partner with someone who's been in the field. Do you think there's an element as well where like, we all just want to be the boss. And you're talking, you're talking to two people who are basically probably 100% owners in their companies and yes. our CEO and our founder. Yeah. So is there an element like where we all just want to be that person on TechCrunch by themselves? I don't have no co-founders. It's just me. I'm the head honcho. And that requires a level of humility to say, actually, yeah. do you know what I mean? Because I'm trying to think now, there are prominent examples of co-founders within kind of like people from our sort of background. Mm. But like, it probably could, it probably could be more and probably more of us could work together. Definitely. You might have like one person who's running a startup that maybe only, you know, is doing under, maybe it's like 200 grand a year. And there's another mm. person doing a startup that's like in a similar space and it's doing yeah. something similar or, you know, whatever, whatever. Trust each other and team up and probably you could turn it into a seven figure business and probably yeah. and, and have economies of scale and have synergy there. My favorite corporate buzzword, synergy. But maybe <laughs> there's something to that because I think that's a great idea what you said, but and we need to be less hesitant you, to partner up. Are you asking up. me to be your co-founder? Are you about to give me half your company? Is that yeah, what's we'll talk after the show, innit? <laughs> I could be the CEO of Hustle Crew too, but no, I'm yeah, joking. It, it wouldn't work. <laughs> All right, cool. So on a more somber note, I want to say rest in peace or rest in power to Johannes Kadane. And he uh, has was a 22-year-old Cornell graduate who just started a role at Netflix as a software engineer. Um, was reported missing a few weeks ago. Um, and yeah, it was really sad. Um, and it turns out that he uh, has been reported to have died by suicide at a moment i think um he was last seen getting into an uber and people couldn't find him from there on in and i think obviously in these situations we don't know the, the full life story the full background but obviously on the surface someone who's a graduate from such a, an amazing institution yeah. starting such an amazing job yeah you think oh my god the, you know you're so young the world's at your feet but mm. mental health really is a challenge it's a challenge of our era we mm. don't know what's going on inside people's minds and we don't know how they're interpreting events. Um, so obviously you just condolences to the family and everybody um, look after yourselves, please. Yo everyone, thank you for listening. That's been this week's Techish. 
Um, you can awesome as always. Leave please a review the in the show, show notes. Come to the live, live show, show, please. Live show. And hit us up <laughs> at, at Techish Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We will catch you next week. If you are leaving a review, make it like a good one, please. <laughs> yeah, actually. So there's been a few haters on Spotify that have been like, yo, two and a half out of five. People coming for our ratings. Damn. Um, all right, cool. Peace. <laughs>